What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black, the podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, returning after my man, Zim they held it down last week. Zim, I appreciate it. How you doing this week, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm, I'm really excited that you're back, man. I hope you had a great trip. Tell us about where you went. Tell us why you left us sitting here in the cold. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely big shout out to my wife. Uh, she surprised me this year. 32nd birthday, uh, got a cruise to the Bahamas for me. So it was like my first legit cruise that I've been on because I've been on one when I was like two, but obviously I don't remember that. So um, she got me a cruise to the Bahamas. Uh, we got to go over there to Nassau, hang out with the family. And when I say family, that's what they call everybody over there that are friends and associates. So got to see what life was like over there. Uh, got to have some cool experiences over there, but also glad to be back in the States and glad to be talking Bengals. The only thing that sucked when I was on the cruise was that, of course, I go to a sports bar that's on the cruise, and, of course, they're not showing the Bengals. So the only way that I was able to actually see what was going on with the Bengals is they had a sports ticker, but the sports ticker was confusing because I'm looking at all the stats like, you know, Baker Mayfield has thrown two interceptions, Joe Mixon has 120 yards, and, you know, Tyler Boyd seemed like he was having a good game, and I was just confused because I'm like, how are we losing this game? Like, it was just kind of crazy. <laughs> oh, you know how we were losing in the back of your mind. <laughs> you yeah, when I saw that Dalton stat scroll by, and I saw the one interception, and then I saw the Cleveland ticker go by, and it talked about Denzel Ward touchdown. I was like, oh, he must have threw a pick six. Yeah, yeah, he sure did, and he could have thrown another one. I highlighted on my Instagram, he probably could have done three, but he had a second one in the red zone on the three-yard line. I mean, the guy, I don't know how the guy from the Browns, I forgot the guy's name. I think it's like White Shear or something like that. Oh, that's going to kill me for the rest of this episode. But the guy, like, almost picked it, but Uzama breaks it up. It There is a series that I just want to just go over with you, if you don't mind. It, when people talk about, like, Dalton versus, oh, man, he can get the job done and stuff like that. Let me go over this quick series for you. And I think I was venting to you one day about this. They go down to the red zone. He's uh, in a he's in a first and goal. This is one instance. So they had all these trips to the red zone. They had three, and they didn't – they got field goals. So he had one. It's a, it's a third and goal. I mean, I'm sorry, a first and goal. He goes – and takes a sack with the guy like, I mean, I'm talking about he's sitting in the pocket like four seconds. 
Like, when we talk about this every week, I'll be like, man, you got to go one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, get the ball out. It's first down. We're talking about a nine-year starter. Like, you know what I'm saying? He keeps the ball, takes the sack. That PFF confirmed that for me this week. That sack is 100% on Dalton. He essentially right. put, he now puts them at the 10-yard line. They come back, uh, run a couple of plays, whatever. When he gets the third down, right, the one down that you're supposed to go crazy on and fight to the end like what he did on first down, because you right. know you're going to kick a field goal or whatever, he throws the ball away. It's like right. he has these mental farts where he doesn't really realize, like, the magnitude of the situation. And I get it as a fan. I'm looking at home, and and people say hindsight is twenty twenty. No, this is like real time. We're all sitting there thinking the same thing. Everybody on the whole team is thinking the same thing. This is not like a hindsight thing. He's going to third down, and then, you know, that happens. The other series that I'm talking about, they don't run it um, when they should at the one-yard line, right? This is on, the, um, I think it's the third or fourth down now. It's a couple of days past now. Right. But instead of him playing, throwing the pass, instead of him throwing it where he should go to, he's got Eifer wide open uh, in, the, um, in the slot going like doing like a little curl pattern. Instead, before the play starts, and this is the read that I guess Zach Taylor was trying to, like, take up for him at the press conference. He he audibles to himself on fourth down to do a quarterback draw from, like, 10 yards out. They're at, like, the five-yard line, right? But he yeah. has to – he's getting the ball because he's in shotgun from, like, the 10, doing a draw. I'm like, dude, like, it, it's just, like, stuff like that. Throughout the game, he was average, you know, but – I walked away from the game saying, I'm so glad that they put him back in the lineup because not only does it show all lovers, like what I've been saying, how he got to this point where we were 0-8, but it also gives us losses so that we can get one step closer to Joe Burrow. Right. Well, thank you guys for listening to Orange is the New Black. Uh, we're obviously a Bengals podcast. We're on the Cincy Jungle uh, Network. Be sure to subscribe there. You can hear a bunch of other Bengals podcasts there, um, including Orange and Black Insider, Mac Minich, Talk, Chop Talk. Sorry about that, Matt. Um but, yeah, check us out. Uh, I am Ace Boogie of New Stripe City. You can find my YouTube channel at New Stripe City. He is Zim Hude. You can find him on Twitter at Zim Hude, one word, or his Instagram, Zim underscore Hude. You can also join Zim's lives that he does every Sunday to comment on the Bengals. But in regards to what Zim is saying, I think that it's pretty obvious that now that Andy Dalton is back in, we are starting to see similar signs of why he got benched. And, I mean, that's that's where I'm going to leave it at, right? Because that, that game, in my opinion, pretty much sealed that, you know, he's not going to be the guy coming back next next year. We know what he is, right? Never say um, never to Ace. Never say never. If they, if can, they don't that is it, true. They, you can never say never spot. with the Bengals. They still got him on the contract for a year. That is true. So, yeah, we won't even open Pandora's box. Let, let's talk about some other things that happened this week before we get into the Patriots game. Um, so one big thing that Zim also reported on yesterday and several outlets have is the fact that Jonah Williams has returned to practice. So he's been cleared. It looks like he is practicing. I'm not sure if he was ever – I'm assuming that he was never designated to the IR. Is that true, Zim? Yeah, so it was never designated to the IR, and 
as a result, it left the door open um, for him to come back. So I think he went on that immediate uh, pup list where you're eligible to come back in eight weeks, I believe. Right. I forget. Now that time has gone by a little bit, I always remember when it first happened, they said, yeah, it's a, a possibility he could come back at the end of the year. Right. Okay, so if there was no IR designation, that means that Jonah Williams can come back. Um, what's kind of shocking is I think most people expected – our guy AJ Green to return before uh, Jonah Williams, but Jonah Williams has been cleared to practice. What are your thoughts on Jonah Williams? I personally think that we should play him. I mean, I don't see what the issue would be in terms of letting him get some some uh, reps in at least you know the last two games, maybe last three games of the season. Uh, obviously, he's probably not in football shape. But I think that you need to at least get a small sample size of what this offensive line could look like with Cordy Glenn uh, and Jonah Williams. What are your thoughts on that, Zim? And, it, and it's crazy you just mentioned Cordy Glenn because that's my first question is, okay, so where does Cordy Glenn play? Because to get the sample size, you're not going to get Jonah at right tackle. They're not going to put Bobby Hart on the bench because I think the the unity that this this line is starting to take shape with, um, I think that poses I, – I, that's just where I think they're at mentally. I don't think they're going to be benching anybody just so that they can get, you know, Bobby Hart, like, off the line out. And I think that's what most people are thinking is, like, let's get Bobby Hart out of there. Let's put Jonah in that spot. I think they want Jonah at his natural place where it's the most important position on the line. It's the left tackle because you're blocking the quarterback that's right-handed, it's blind side. So initially at the beginning of the season they wanted to put uh, Jonah at left tackle and Cordy Glenn at left guard. So I don't think they will have a problem with putting Michael Jordan um, on the bench so that um, Cordy Glenn can move over and shift over to that. And to me, I think that, like, when people talk about, like, fixing this line, there is not too many lines in the offense in the NFL that can roll out big monsters like that at the left tackle and the left guard spot that are, like, beyond formidable. Like, that puts you in, like, elite category. And I always thought that at the beginning of the season, their plan didn't go, like, what they thought. I think you play it and see how do they, like, how do they go, and then you still figure out a way to get Michael Jordan in there and some reps. But most offensive linemen that I know, big guys like that, said that they want to get into the flow of a game almost like a running back. So it's kind of hard to just alternate guys in and out and really get a feel for what they're going to do. So if you do see it, I think it has to be Jonah Williams at the left tackle spot and Jordan at the left guard spot. How comfortable they feel with putting a guy right off the couch, as I say, I mean, so to speak, at that spot, um, protecting the quarterback's blind side, that's a tough call. You know, like that's that's a tough call. If he was at a guard position, I, I think it would be way easier to insert him in there. But right. to have him making mental lapses in a rookie, like first time, Going up against, you know what I'm saying, like the Patriots who are super, super smart. Um, I, I don't think he's going to play this week anyway, but like the following week, I, I don't know, man. I, that's, that's a tough call. If it, if it were me, I'd get reps. What, I mean, what would you, if you were doing this, what would you have him go? Would you have him go at the right tackle spot, get rid of Bobby Hart at that, at that position, even though Bobby Hart is having his best? Uh, offensive line like blocking grades that he's had all all entire season. That's a very interesting uh, dilemma to kind of have. Um, 
I would say with as good as Cordy Glenn is playing at left tackle right now, um, it's hard to put Bobby Hart down. I think what's more probably realistic and probably would cause some conflict is, like you said, throwing Jonah in at left tackle, sliding Cordy Glenn over to the left guard, keeping Bobby Hart in there. Um, I think that they should do two things, right? And this is if I were the Bengals, which I'm not the Bengals. I have no impact on what they do, what their plans are. Um, If it were me, the first thing that I would do is I would have one game, if I had two games left with him, I would have one game where we put Jonah at right tackle, uh, keep Cordy Glenn at left tackle, uh, keep keep Michael Jordan at left guard, and, and run with that essentially, right? See what that looks like. Um, then the next week, I would move Cordy Glenn to left guard, have Jonah at left tackle, and have Bobby Hart at right tackle. And although it's a super small sample size, see, like, what those two different combinations do. Because the thing that I tend to feel like is that as good as Bobby Hart has been playing at right tackle, the feeling that Jonah Williams has to play better at right tackle is so much higher And I think the ceiling for this offensive line to be better in pass protection and in the run game is so much higher with having your two best linemen on the field. Like Cordy Glenn and Jonah Williams together on both sides, I feel like shores up those spots on the outside and kind of gives the quarterback more time to fight off those defensive ends. Um, From the left guard perspective, from the interior, I don't feel like it's really been much of an issue for them outside of, uh, you know, the running game. So I don't know if, you know, Cordy Glenn at left guard uh, gives Joe Mixon some more breathing room on those inside runs. But I feel like that's a situation that has kind of it's kind of going under the radar, right? I think even though Cordy Glenn has had this concussion situation, I think a lot of that stems from them moving him from left tackle to left guard. I don't think that he was really um, too keen on that. I don't have any inside information. This is just pure speculation uh, from myself. Uh, I don't think he was too keen on moving from left tackle to left guard, especially if you're going into free agency um, and the value, although guard's value um, has risen a little bit from a contract standpoint, it's still not touching tackle money, right? So, for me, I think that that could pose an issue in terms of will Cordy Glenn give you 100% if he's playing left guard? Um, and that's what I think you have to see in those two games. So, like I said, I would do a combination of both of those mixtures of the line, and that would kind of lead me to determine going into the off offseason um, whether I'm going to move on from Cordy Glenn and trade him or whether I'm just going to cut Bobby Hart, keep Cordy Glenn and Jonah together, and move forward, which it, me personally, I think that that's like a no-brainer. Like, you keep both of those guys there. Like, even if it's that you um, have Cordy at left tackle or or not even Cordy at left tackle, but even if you have Jonah at left tackle, put Cordy at right tackle. Like, to me, it just, I don't know. I don't know. It's common sense, but this is the Bengals we're talking about. See, I, I don't, see, I don't think it's that clear cut to me. I, I, I like the idea of what their initial plan was, to have Cordy Glenn at left guard because Michael Jordan, that's the one outlier. I feel like Bobby Hart is now acclimated in the system. I feel like he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. If you look around the league, you're not going to get a top ten guy like in every single spot. 
and Bobby Hart is solid, and he's been playing good enough this year in the last six, seven games. So for me, it would be Cordy Glenn at the left guard spot. If he doesn't want it, it's very easy for me to replace that in the draft. And I'll right. and I and I can get that salary off the books, and I can get the trade uh, for him if he if he's not feeling playing at left guard. But that that's my like my look at it. I I think Jonah has to play left tackle though. So let me I I totally agree with you, and I think that that's the realistic thing that would happen if I were a better man. That's exactly what I would bet to be what they would do. But let me play devil's advocate here and ask you this. Um, if you were to have like a Jonah Williams and a Cordy Glenn, and let's say, you know, obviously next year's offensive line class is somewhat deep. If you were able to get like a Solomon Kenley or something like that at the left guard position, would you still want to keep Bobby Hart at right tackle or do you take Solomon, throw him in there at the left guard? Uh, you know, do you do you keep Cordy Glenn at right tackle? What would you do in that situation? Um, so for me, it's going to be, I'm going to be looking at. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For me, Bobby Hart should be a backup swing tackle in the National Football League, period. Like, that, gotcha. like I mean, he does that. Like, that's what I want him for. He gets paid almost accordingly. And so no matter what scenario I come up with, that's what I'm looking at. It's like I can get Bobby Hart to be my swing tackle, uh, and that and that's the role that I want him to play. Let me ask you this, as we're on the subject of um uh should we play or anything like that. At this at this point in the season, do you think AJ Green would you have AJ Green like even go out on the field? Like there's different reports. Lap said last week he was looking really, really good pregame. I've got different videos like that I've seen um, on the practice field where he's actually looking pretty decent as well. Are you at the point where you even want to see AJ Green this year, or are you just saying like let's let's just lock it up and just wait till I next mean, year? I, I think since uh, since this whole situation started, 
what do you need to see from A.J. Green, right? Like, this is a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer. I mean, there's nothing really that A.J. Green has to prove, in my eyes at least, uh, for me to feel confident to give him a contract. Um, So whether he plays or not, to me, I think like A.J. has said himself, that doesn't really matter, right? We know what we're getting from him uh, from the perspective of protecting your investment um, and you look at you look at things that have happened, like Tua going down, being in a game um, at a point that he shouldn't have been in. Uh, what's the point of subjecting AJ to risk? It's not going to help better your chances of getting a number one pick. It's not going to better your chances of really anything outside of getting a win in a season that was essentially a wash. Now, I think if this were a competitive season and we were vying for maybe a wild card spot, even with like the Browns chances that they have right now of, you know, getting into the playoffs. Then yeah, I think you roll the dice and you let AJ play, but there is literally definitively no reason for him to be playing right now. And I mean, I, I hear a lot of people saying that that's not fair, but I mean, this is a business decision and really, it should be a business decision from both sides. If you really truly value A.J. Green, why throw him out in a game that does not matter to make him susceptible to another injury with him coming off of an ankle injury? What if he goes out there and somebody immediately falls down on his ankle again? They're, I mean, this is football. This is if contact that, if, that ha- if that happens, then I would be saying, yeah, I don't want to. That's exactly why I want to play him. If he goes right, out there and right. gets hurt right now, <laughs> like what you're saying, yeah, I, I, I will be, like, mentally, and I'm the biggest A.J. Green fan. I would say, yeah, at his age, he's too fragile at this point. And some guys, even this ankle injury right now, to me, I feel like it's taking him too long to heal up. Like, even right. if he's saying he needs to be 100%, I get it. If it was a competitive season, he would have played. He would have played a couple weeks ago. I get it. But right. the fact that he's not at 100% at this point, yeah, I do want to see him. And if if he got hurt again, that would give me what I need to know too. Just like Ross, like at the end of the last uh, last week or whatever, he's now showing up on the injury report. Now I'm I'm starting to say, yeah, I, I don't. If he can't play these last couple games, yeah, I'm probably not gonna pick up his fifth year option. And there's right. a ton. This is wide receiver heavy in this draft. Right. So, I, and I'm the biggest Ross fan. I'm the biggest AJ Green fan. If they can't stay healthy, I mm-hmm. just can't take that time of. You know, like me as a fan, what are we doing? We're telling people, like, man, wait till AJ gets out there with Ross and Eifert and Mixon, and that stuff never even happens. Like, I can't just say that every day of my life and these guys aren't in. AJ Gray right. really hasn't played in, like, a year and a half, like, if you think about right. it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that from my perspective, that, that would be the thing, like, that I want to see. Yeah, I want to run them out there. You want this contract that you're saying, and I'm handing you a blank check? Go out there and just be open. I don't right. even need you to get catches. Just be open. Let me see you get open. But this is this is my thing with that though, right? From their from our perspective, we haven't seen AJ, right? We don't know what you know he looks like on the field. But from the Bengals' perspective, you see him every day in practice. So it's like to me, like, what do you really need to see him do? Like, if he's doing it in a scrimmage in practice, how does that really differ from what he would do in a game? I guess is what is what I kind of think and, and kind of see it as is, you know, I mean, now maybe it's the fact that he's probably not going to get hit in practice. Maybe that's the difference. 
Um, but I mean, I could totally see what you're saying there. But to me, mm-hmm. I just tend to think like, <laughs> I was like, you answered my question. That's what I was going to say. This is this is football. Is it's like that kind of comes with the territory, right? Like Deshaun Jackson, prime example. Are you really not going to extend Deshaun Jackson? We know that he can get hurt. We know that he can go down at times. But we know when he's completely healthy, he is a future Hall of Fame caliber receiver. So, to me, that's the dilemma. Um, me personally, the caliber of player that he is, um, I'm going to go ahead and do it. To me, I don't I don't view him and Tyler Eifert in the same vein. Some people oh, may. Oh, heck no. Yeah, heck some no. People, some people may. I don't even view him in the same vein as John Ross. Like, in my, my personal experience is I feel like John Ross has been – hurt a lot more than A.J. Green. Um, but I, I get what you're saying. I can see why we would want to see him play. Um, so let's move on to the Patriots, right? And obviously um, you posted this. It's been a trending topic um, in all NFL circles, not just the, the Who Day community. Spygate 2.0, right? So the Bengals finally do something right, and they catch a representative from the Patriots who essentially, I, I think he did not have a Patriots shirt on. He had some kind of... He had, a, he had a Bruins shirt on. He had a Bruins shirt on, right? And apparently he was in the press box, and he focused the camera on the Bengals' um, coaching sideline for eight minutes. Um, they came up with this BS story, in my opinion. Take it with a grain of salt, if you will. But they came up with a BS story that they had this series, which I have looked up the series. That does check out. Um, I still feel like there was a side mission on this series as well, quote-unquote. Um, but, you know, they basically were caught with their hand in the cookie jar and were exposed for what seems to be Spygate 2.0. Um, from my perspective, the only reason – I think that it was laughable that you would have to go through these extremes to, um, you know, take a team that only has one win on the season at this point. But I think that the reason was because the Bengals have a new offense under Zach Taylor, and he doesn't really have that edge on going into this game. And I say edge, I mean Belichick doesn't have that edge of knowing what to expect, which he usually is very good at preparing to do, which is kind of weird to me because this was the guy that kind of gave the blueprint for shutting down the Rams' offense. But apparently this happens them. Let me get your quick thoughts on that, and then we'll get into the game and try to get out of here. Um, for me, I think initially I just I didn't think too much of it, and then I got more details of it, and I'm like, yeah, this is serious, you know. Um, and I'm going to tell you the weirdest part about this whole thing. In the back of my head, I'm like, please don't penalize the Patriots for this game. <laughs> Isn't that like the silliest thing? Like, I was right. like, all I care is, like, do not give them, like, some type of weird fine or or something where somebody can't Belichick can't coach or something for a quarter. Like I need you to win. Like I'm sorry. Like that's all my mindset is thinking. But yeah, a couple people pointed out to me like yeah, it's very it's it right now they they would want to get the hand signals and do that stuff now because now that's going to be in their bank for us to you know for the future and everything like that. Um, I don't really have too many thoughts on that type of stuff because for me, I think. For me, I think a lot of teams probably do that. I mean, I've been sitting at a game, even when I was in a game in London or whatever, I wasn't that far away. I mean, there were guys, I mean, I'm sitting on the, I mean, on the Bengals side. There's a guy, he's a fan. You know, he's got on a regular, but I mean, his camera's good. I got a, yeah. I got an iPhone 11. My camera's pretty good. He's zooming in. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, I feel like, I feel like all teams probably do that. I just think, 
you know, Patriots probably just came up with this this plan to do this, and because it's um, it's almost like the rich guy, like say somebody's like a millionaire or something, they go to a store and just go steal something, and then you'd be like, why would you even steal anything? You're rich. It's like one of those things that Patriots just do. They just can't help themselves. But I feel like other teams probably do it as well, and. Um, I don't really have too many. I, I feel like teams do a lot of stuff that we don't know about. I feel like refs do a lot of stuff that we don't know about. There's a lot of different things going on. When money is involved, people will go to any extent. And we're talking about billionaires. You think that they don't have the means to hire somebody for a whole entire year to film? Right. <laughs> like, like that's chump change. That could give anybody that goes to school around there in the Boston area probably 10 bands. And say go like like go film these guys like do it discreetly and they probably had more than that. That might have been a smoke screen. They might have had a real cameraman really far away with the million dollar camera <laughs> zooming right. in on you know what I'm saying? So it's like to me that competitive edge and stuff like that, I don't agree with cheating and stuff like that. I hope they get what's coming to them. I hope the Bengals don't practice stuff like that because I'm a firm believer of like all hands on deck and I want, you know, all you know, everything you know, everybody available. I want it to be a fair fight. I want your players healthy, and I want to walk away feeling like I won, and you ain't got no excuses. Right. I agree with you. The only thing that I was uh, wanting from this whole situation is was for them to have to forfeit their first-round draft pick to us. Like, they do that, then I'm good. That was pretty much <laughs> my, my thoughts on that because I believe yeah, they had to dope. forfeit it fit their first round pick the last time they were caught doing this. So that's what I would want is And the league that took it up. Yeah, the league did. man, now if you get the, if you give me that, now Chase Young fans, we got a plan for you. <laughs> if you get an extra right. first round pick, we got a, we got some moves we can make. All right, let's get into the game though. Who you got? What are your thoughts? You got anything um with the Patriots that you think that we need to be checking for? Um I know I got a couple notes myself. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say at this point, man, that the Bengals are likely going to lose this game. Um, they're going in <laughs> very <against> likely <laughs> a, a Patriots team that is just very calculated. Uh, you know, and this is a team where if you score more than 24 points, you're going to win the game. Um, I'd like to see um how they play against the Patriots just to see how competitive this game could be. I think it'll be a little bit closer than people think. And when I say close, I think that it'll be maybe a one to a one-and-a-half score kind of spread between this, so maybe a seven-point to ten-point game, really leaning towards the ten-point game. Um, but I think the Patriots come in and win this, you know, 28 to 18. Um, I think that that defense that the Patriots have is going to cause Dalton to, you know, turn back into Blandy Dalton or Randy Dalton that we saw um, and cause some turnovers there and cause him to make some bad decisions. So I think that he has at least one interception in this game. Um, I think that Joe Mixon still is able to establish himself, and I want to see what John Ross has to offer, but I do not think it's going to be enough. And with him showing up on the injury report at the end of the last, uh, he went to practice, I think that was on Monday or Tuesday, it showed up on the injury report, and I'm like, man, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm like almost done, bro. Like, I, I'm like, I'm giving up like all faith that I had in him, and I am like the number one Ross guy. Right. That guy, that guy cannot stay healthy. Like, I am right. like totally sold on that. Um, but I do think that the Patriots uh, with Stephon Gilmore, the secondary, is super, super elite. 
Um, from the linebacker position, believe it or not, they struggled just like we do. They were struggling to stop the run. They struggle a lot um, in um, in just just agility and and going sideline to sideline just like us. Although I will say, uh, what is that, Vinoy, He does drop back in the coverage sometimes, which Hubbard cannot do, and I don't know why Lou Anarumu keeps on doing that. But um, aside from that, there's not much to check for for me. I wanted to see Muhammad Sanu. So I'm hoping he gets healthy so that he could play against his former team. Um, there's a couple things I'm going to check for, but Tom Brady hasn't been looking like Tom Brady like lately. So let's see how this defense holds up. They've been playing really, really well. So I want to see what happens with that moving forward in, in this game. Right. I agree. I agree. Um, so with that being said, thanks, you guys, for listening and tuning in to the Oranges is a New Black Podcast. Sorry about that. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on the Cincy Jungle Syndicate. Like I said, you can find all of those shows. You can find Zim stuff at Zim underscore Hooday on Instagram. You can also find us on Twitter. That definitely be sure to tweet us and talk to us. Um, his Twitter handle is at Zim Hooday. Mine is at New Stripe City. You can find me on YouTube at New Stripe City. And we'll see you guys next week. Hooday. Hooday. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.